Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 476 for January 17th, 2016. This week, the latest version of Adobe's Creative Cloud adds so many new improvements, tweaks, and features that just trying to list them all is impossible. But I do have some information about some of them. In short circuits, Microsoft support for most versions of Internet Explorer other than version 11 ends, along with support for Windows 8 if the system hasn't been updated to Windows 8.1. We'll look at security threats to watch for in 2016. Adoption of Windows 10 is running ahead of expectations. More than 200 million Windows 10 computers have been activated. In spare parts only on the website, a system is being developed to allow self-driving automobiles to help each other. AT&T says it will help the Federal Communications Commission modernize its business. And if you want a dog but you really don't want a dog, you'll now be able to buy a robot dog. At the end of November 2015, Adobe released updates to most of the Creative Cloud applications, but the holidays and the TechBiter schedule kept me from getting to them until now. New features aren't as plentiful, as big, or as bold as they were when release cycles were 18 months instead of 6, and new features are likely to show up at any time because the system updates itself. The continuous update concept is becoming more common. Microsoft does it with Windows 10 at Office 2016. Ninite, a utility I've described previously, automatically downloads and installs updates for dozens of programs. Browsers such as Firefox and Chrome receive frequent updates. The text editor I use, AltraEdit, can automatically download and install new versions when they're released. And even applications that don't update themselves automatically now usually at least let us know when an update is ready. The November 2015 release, the number is CC2015.1 if you're keeping track, adds a lot of features to a lot of applications. I'll start with Lightroom and Photoshop because those are the applications that are probably used by most people, from amateur and professional photographers to graphic designers and website developers. In the June release, artboards were added to Photoshop. That was a long-awaited feature that had been available in Illustrator for a long time. The November release added several improvements to artboards, including the ability to add artboards with a single click and the ability to use guides and grids to place elements within an artboard. As touch-enabled devices are becoming more common, Adobe has added enhancements that users will really appreciate. Adobe and Microsoft have both highlighted Photoshop on a Surface tablet. It's clear that touching the screen is more natural than trying to make adjustments with a mouse. Pan, zoom, and rotate are all common actions that can be accomplished very easily on a touch device. The June release of Lightroom had some problems, though, and Adobe has apologized for modifying the import process in a way that most users detested. I saw the shortcomings, but I realized that some of the changes made back in mid-year held promise. 
Adobe has upheld its promise to restore the previous import tool, and it seems to work better than before. Adobe also added support for many new cameras. That's important because Lightroom and Camera Raw run in tandem and support the same RAW formats. And I suppose it's also important because camera manufacturers keep releasing new cameras. Photoshop and most of the other Creative Cloud applications have new start screens that display recent files, libraries, presets, and options to create a new file or open an existing file. There are also links to Adobe Stock, instructional videos, and library items. Typeface management is important for InDesign users and also for Photoshop users. Currently, it is not possible to add text to an image in Lightroom. But an image that's being worked on in Lightroom can be opened in Photoshop where text can be added. Then the image can be returned to Lightroom. A huge array of typefaces can be used by Creative Cloud subscribers. You may note I've said typeface instead of font. and That's intentional. Typefaces, also called type families, are collections of fonts that share an overall appearance and are designed to be used together. For example, Adobe Garamond. A font is a complete set of characters that share a common weight, width, and style. An example there, 10-point Adobe Garamond Bold. Calling a typeface a font is rather like calling a tire a wheel. Depending on which ligatures are available in a given font, several Adobe applications will display options when you select one or more of the letters. Ligatures are combinations of letters such as FI, FL, FF, FFI, and FFL. Some ligatures are considered standard, others are discretionary. In one example, Adobe describes the use of Caflish Script Pro with contextual alternatives enabled. The letter pair BL in the word bloom will be combined so that the type looks more like handwriting. Discretionary ligatures include pairs such as CT, ST, and FT. Although the characters in a ligature appear to be joined, they remain editable, and because of that, they don't confuse the system's spelling checker. Other typographic substitutions involve swash glyphs, which are stylized letter forms with exaggerated flourishes, if the font you're using supports these, they'll also be displayed. For example, InDesign shows a superscripted letter and a small cap letter when I select H in some typefaces. This allows users to preview and apply alternate glyphs from any selected text. Adobe has been heavily promoting Adobe Stock, which has more than 45 million internationally curated beautiful photos, graphics, and videos from around the world. That's a quote from Adobe. And curated seems to be the word of the day for collected. Despite the overblown terms, Adobe Stock does have 1 million HD video clips and tens of millions of photos and graphics. Most Adobe desktop apps allow users to browse and purchase stock assets from the libraries panel. Stock is an extra cost option in that individual images and videos have their own prices. Adobe Portfolio was added in November 15 as a preview. In other words, it's a new feature that's still being developed. Currently, users need to request access to it, but it will be available to all Creative Cloud subscribers later this year. According to Adobe's explanation, when your creative work is your life's work, nothing is more important than having a beautiful portfolio website. 
With Portfolio, you can quickly and simply build a website to showcase your creative work. Portfolio syncs with Behance Project so that millions of viewers can discover and interact with Creative Cloud users' work. Capture CC is now available on Android phones in addition to Apple phones and tablets. Take a picture using the portable device and then generate a color theme or create a vector graphic from the image. Or you can create a brush that can be used in other Adobe applications. Assets created in Capture are saved in Creative Cloud libraries. That makes them available in Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Dreamweaver, Premiere Pro, and After Effects on the desktop and also in mobile apps. Capture brings together all of the features that were previously in Brush CC, Color CC, Hue CC, and Shape CC. And you can sync and swim. Creative Sync makes color themes, images, and other components available in many of the applications. In this version, Creative Cloud libraries can be accessed from Dreamweaver, or start editing a photo in the new Photoshop fix Apple devices only right now, but coming soon to Android, and then complete the process on the desktop in Photoshop CC. Adobe Premiere Clip, previously available only on Apple devices, is now available for Android phones. Note that I have explicitly excluded Android tablets here. Clip makes it possible to share video projects from a mobile device or move the project to the desktop application. Select some photos and videos, then let Clip automatically create a video that's synced to a soundtrack. Next, you can select a different soundtrack or choose a different starting point for the existing soundtrack. Although I've never been much of a fan of Illustrator, the latest version makes it possible to edit complex shapes with a new Shaper tool and adds dynamic symbols. A Publish Online feature that was added in June has been enhanced in the November release. It allows users to publish interactive documents online. Dreamweaver includes lots of new features that will make life easier for website designers. Because of the increasing popularity of tablet and smartphone browsers, the ability to create responsive websites is essential. The new version of Dreamweaver makes that easy by including integration with the latest version of Bootstrap Framework, and there's been at least one Bootstrap update since November. The new visual aids make it possible for developers to define breakpoints for different screen dimensions and organize their code. It's not uncommon for people to use a Photoshop document to illustrate what a website should look like. Until now, determining how to represent information from that PSD file in Dreamweaver was a cumbersome, manual process. Now it's possible to load a Photoshop file in Dreamweaver, select a component, and then import the information into Dreamweaver. You'll see this illustrated on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And what I'm showing here is that I have selected text from a PSD file. I'm being offered the ability to select the cascading style sheet information, the text itself, or the full graphic. This is a huge improvement for those who design sites and want their work to move along quickly. I don't spend a lot of time with Adobe's video applications, but Premiere makes it possible to open almost any video file, add it to a timeline, and start editing. The new version expands support for Ultra HD formats even beyond 8K. High dynamic range images are supported. Optical flow time remapping makes it possible to generate smooth slow motion and speed ramp effects. 
But Premiere is just one of Adobe's video tools. After Effects CC is an important co-worker for both Premiere and Photoshop. The application makes it possible for users to maintain color fidelity between After Effects and Premiere Pro. And Adobe is trying to go beyond the user interface. Development is continuing on the big user experience project that Adobe announced in 2015. You might reasonably consider user experience, UX, to be the next big step after user interface, UI. The user interface is important for applications, websites, and even print or electronic media. That's because it's what the user sees and interacts with. UX refers to the user experience, and it encompasses even more. The UX application Adobe has been working on is codenamed Comet. Comet is intended to be an end-to-end -end solution for UX designers. It's not a modification of other Adobe tools, but a brand new custom-designed application for UX designers. Although it's not yet even in beta, Comet has advanced to the point where alpha versions are nearly ready to be made available to testers outside the company. When that happens, Adobe software engineers will begin to get feedback on specific features. Plans call for the program to be moved to beta early this year, and user experience designers can complete an Adobe questionnaire to gain access to Comet while it's still in development. You'll find a link to that questionnaire on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The application form was still closed as I prepared this report, so if you're interested, you'll probably also want to follow Comet on Twitter, and there's a link to do that too. Initially, Comet will be released only for Macs, but it will come to Windows systems later. There's a reason for this. Comet is still going through very fast iteration cycles, and it's a lot faster to perform that kind of work on a single platform. Make sure it's working the way users want it to, and then port it to another platform. Software design involves a series of advances and bug fixes. There's no question that working on just a single platform speeds the process, even though I wish personally that the platform they're working on would be Windows. In short circuits, if you have an older version of Windows, the end has come, or at least it's quickly approaching. Mainstream support and extended support have already ended for Windows XP. Mainstream support ended for Vista in 2012. Mainstream support ended for Windows 7 a year ago, the 13th of January 2015. So what does all this mean? Well, it's important to understand what mainstream support is and what extended support is. Mainstream support includes hotfixes for security and non-security issues. During the mainstream support period, which lasts for at least five years from the operating system's initial date of general availability, warranty claims will be honored, and Microsoft accepts requests for new features and design changes. During extended support, Microsoft continues to provide fixes that repair security flaws. And that's it. Mainstream support for XP ended in 2009, extended support in 2014. Mainstream support ended for Vista in 2012, extended support ends next year. Mainstream support ended for Windows 7 in 2015, extended support continues until 2020. Mainstream support continues for Windows 8.1 until 2018. 
and extended support goes until 2023. Now note that I specified 8.1. That's because support for Windows 8 was terminated this week. If you're still running Windows 8 and you don't want to upgrade to Windows 10, you should at least take the free upgrade to Windows 8.1. And Windows 10 will have mainstream support at least until 2020, extended support until at least 2025. And if you're still using an old version of Internet Explorer, your time is up. Microsoft has ended support for all Internet Explorer versions earlier than IE 11. Although Edge replaces Internet Explorer on Windows 10, IE 11 will continue to be supported on Windows 10. Edge is not available for earlier versions of Windows, and Microsoft says that users who want to continue using Internet Explorer should immediately upgrade the browser to version 11. For a long time, Microsoft tried to maintain backwards compatibility among the various versions of Internet Explorer. That seemed like a good idea at the time, but it has hampered development, and it's undoubtedly one of the reasons that Microsoft decided to create a new browser for Windows 10. Support for IE versions up to and including 10 ended on the 12th of January, 2016. In other words, this week. Well, sort of. If you have Vista or Windows Server 2008, IE 9 will continue to be supported. IE 10 will be supported on Windows Server 2012. That's because these versions of the operating system can't be updated to IE 11. nasties are coming our way this year. The threat landscape changes continuously and seemingly never for the better. Last year, just about every type of business or government agency suffered data losses. The folks at iSheriff have a list of what they consider will be the five biggest threats in 2016. iSheriff is a security platform used by large organizations. The software-as-a-service application includes versions for notebook computers, tablets, servers, point-of-sale devices, industrial equipment, and even the Internet of Things technologies. The company says point-of-sale devices will be at increased risk this year, so we should expect more reports of credit card information being stolen in bulk, lacks security configurations combined with weak passwords and third-party access vulnerabilities will combine with the rollout of new credit card terminals that read cards with embedded security chips. Despite the enhanced security of the cards themselves, it's likely that crooks will still find ways to get your data into their computers. The increasing use of bring-your-own-device philosophies in companies is an open invitation to thieves if the company has substandard security. Security managers may understand this, but sometimes they're stymied by not having sufficient budgets to secure the network and all the endpoints. Locking a system down too tightly reduces employee efficiency, but leaving too much of the system exposed can be far worse. Big data breaches will continue to make headlines, but even smaller attacks can be devastating. Crooks are crooks because they want to get money the easy way. As a result, they'll take the easiest and shortest path to the data. Criminals work out functional techniques and earn cash by attacking smaller businesses as they work their way up to enterprise operations. 
Another threat to watch out for this year, ransomware schemes, they are becoming easier than ever. All a crook has to do is spend a little bit of money to buy the malware that encrypts an unfortunate user's hard drive, sit back, and wait for the cash to roll in. The FBI received nearly 1,000 crypto wall reports between April 2014 and mid-2015. That's believed to be just a small number of the people who were actually victimized. Many simply paid the ransom and never reported the event. On the plus side, iSheriff says that cloud-based security services will lead to better integration that will give IT professionals a better view of their networks. In short, the forecast is for dangerous conditions with an increasing likelihood of data theft. Microsoft's Yusef Mehdi says that Windows 10 has been activated on more than 200 million computers. More than 40% of those activations occurred since the end of November 2015, and Mehdi says the adoption rate continues to be on the fastest growth trajectory of any version of Windows. Activations have outpaced Windows 7 by about 140%, and Windows 7 was very popular. Activations have outpaced the largely ignored Windows 8 by nearly 400%. The timing clearly illustrates that registration was helped by people who bought new computers as gifts or for tax reasons before the end of the year. We're also seeing accelerating and unprecedented demand for Windows 10 among enterprise and education customers, Medi said. More than three-quarters of Microsoft's enterprise customers are in active pilots of Windows 10. And that is surprising. The rate of adoption is actually running a bit beyond Microsoft's projections, and Windows 10 is replacing previous versions of Windows sooner than expected, particularly in the enterprise environment. Instead of leveling off after the first wave of early adopters, the trend is actually accelerating. Microsoft can track these adoptions based solely on activations, but it goes a little bit beyond that. In fact, it goes a lot beyond that. Every time you start a Windows 10 computer, tablet, or phone, the operating system checks in with Microsoft. During the time the computer is on, it can report problems that the operating system has encountered to Microsoft so that software engineers can get a head start on finding a solution. And yes, that makes some people very nervous. Don't be nervous about spare parts, though. You'll find it only on the website. This week, a system is being developed to allow self-driving automobiles to help each other. AT&T says it will help the Federal Communications Commission modernize its business. And if you want a dog, but you really don't want a dog, you'll now be able to buy a robot dog. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.